brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that shares your values. More information is available at CharityMobile.com. Yesterday, I reported on how Cardinal Mueller came to the defense of Benedict XVI over the happenings in Germany that are, frankly, an excuse to torpedo Benedict's reputation so that the synodal way of Germany can reach its full potential. Since then, other prelates have come to Benedict's defense, including Francis, actually. In some cases, though, these defenses are probably sincere, but in others, they're probably just political. The Synod of Synods is a profoundly political event, as it is an obvious attempt to remake the church into the image and likeness of the world. As evidence of this, I point to something most people haven't noticed. Members of the hierarchy and various Catholic media outlets are blaming the church for the Ted McCarrick problems in the church, and not admitting that men who have no business being priests were the cause of this. The church is the spotless bride of Christ. She has no blemishes, no faults. She is a divine institution that bears no sins. The members of the church, on the other hand, are responsible for a great many sins. That should be obvious. I mean, come on. And to blame the church for these things is evil. But there's purpose to why they're doing it. The modernists fancy themselves to be reformers, and their mission is to remake the church into their own image and likeness, and they cannot do that if the church is still conceptualized as the spotless bride of Christ. To make it into the universal church of man requires the Catholic church to acknowledge guilt that the secular world imposes on it, and this is a profoundly evil thing that they're doing. Let me show you what I mean. La Stampa is a major Catholic outlet out of Italy, and they printed some responses to Benedict's recent public statement on this whole Ted McCarrick topic in the church in Germany. I'll have some of Benedict's words at the end of this video, but for now, let's see what is being said by the enemies of Christ that occupy seats in the church. From the La Stampa article, quote, Benedict XVI was the first among the popes to denounce this terrible evil, remembers the president of the Pontifical Academy for Life, Monsignor Vincenzo Paglia. This letter, he added, must remind everyone of the whole church, but of the whole society, because this is a universal scourge. In the same vein, Cardinal Sean Patrick O'Malley, Archbishop of Boston and President of the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors, for whom the testimony of Benedict XVI indicates that the recognition of the irreparable damage caused by the church and the failure to prevent such damage represent a challenge for those who occupy positions of responsibility today. On the other hand, the comments coming from Germany are harsh. Ratzinger's declaration is a symptom of the crisis, not a step towards its solution. Süddeutsche Zeitung. For the Munich newspaper, the city of the report on the mistakes in which Benedict XVI was called into question for the years in which he was archbishop there, Ratzinger's words remain as discon a disconcerting document. Disconcerting, he writes, because he comes from another world, from a parallel universe which has little to do with the faithful and much to do with the old structures of power, end quote. Notice what they're doing here. They're blaming the church, not men like Ted McCarrick and the scores of men cut from the same cloth. No, they blame the church. Yesterday I told you that books like School of Darkness, AA 1025, Memoirs of an Anti-Apostle, and the Permanent Instruction of the Alta Vendita, all outline how various unrelated enemies of Christ work to put men into the priesthood who are not fit to be priests with the purpose of bringing the church down and turning it into an instrument of the world. That's clearly happened, and the evils these men committed are not the fault of the church. They are the fault of those who committed them and of those who hid them from the faithful and from the world, but they are not the work of the church. And yet we have bishops blaming the church as the spotless bride of Christ for these acts. It's wicked. But are we surprised that Cardinal O'Malley would say something like this? 
not really, given his history. An interesting defense of Benedict, though, has come from a man that I frankly don't really trust, Archbishop George Gonsvine, whom I've called his personal handler in the past. But he spoke recently to National Catholic Register and told us an absolute truth. There are forces in the church who want to destroy Benedict. Headline, Archbishop Gonsvine. Movement wants to destroy Benedict's life and work. Speaking to an Italian newspaper, the Pope Emeritus' personal secretary noted that such people never loved him as an individual, his theology, his pontificate, end quote. That's objectively true. The modernists have turned against their former ally. I mean, it's well known that Joseph Ratzinger during the council was as much a radical as anyone else at the council, though in the decades after the council, he certainly moderated and tried to find a way of making the new theology of the church after the council compatible with actual Catholic theology. But it is evident that his former co-travelers have turned on him. From the article, Archbishop Gonsvine says, quote, it has never loved him as an individual, his theology, his pontificate, he said. Archbishop Gonsfein added that members of this movement see recent attacks against him as an ideal opportunity for a reckoning, like a quest for damnatio memorae, condemnation of a memory so a person is excluded from official accounts. In his interview with Correria della Sera, Archbishop Gonsfein said that anyone who knows Benedict knows that the accusation of having lied is absurd, and added that a distinction must be made between making a mistake and lying. He referred to comments made in L'Osservatore Romano by Cardinal Fernando Filoni, who wrote of Benedict's, quote, profound and very high moral and intellectual honesty, explained that I never found in him any shadow or attempt to hide or minimize anything. Archbishop Gonsfine said Benedict XVI had read that article, which was not solicited or asked for, but that's the way it is. Those who have been close to him know well that Joseph Ratzinger Benedict XVI said and did regarding the whole question of Ted McCarrick issues. He was the first to act as a cardinal, and then he continued the line of transparency as pope, Archbishop Gonsfein continued. Already during the pontificate of John Paul II, he changed the current mentality and set the line that Pope Francis is continuing. Benedict's long-serving personal secretary said that, unfortunately, many are deceived by this vile attack. There is so much mudslinging. It's a sad situation. However, he said that although Benedict remains physically very weak, as is natural at his age, his physical weakness takes nothing away from his spiritual and intellectual presence, end quote. The article goes on to point out that these moves against Benedict come at an oddly coincidental time, when the German bishops have decided to demand from Rome changes to church teaching on various hot-button issues, including that topic that Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church is just so focused on, as well as the ordination of women and having married priests and the rest. And that timing is definitely not a coincidence. There are no coincidences involving anything important, and especially not involving ecclesiastical matters. Case in point, while Francis came to the defense of Benedict in some recent statements, he also promoted one of the most outspoken heretic bishops to manage the synodal process for the church. The cardinal question is Jean-Claude Hollerich of Luxembourg, and Francis elevated him to the position of Relator General of the 2023 Synod, or Vatican III as some of us call it. Cardinal Hollerich gave the game away when he came out and declared that the church's teaching on that issue that Pastor Jimmy Martin is just obsessed with is no longer correct, that the church needs to change its teaching. Now here's a basic pro tip for everyone. When someone says the church needs to change its timeless teaching, you know you're dealing with someone who is not on the side of the angels. The National Catholic Register slammed Cardinal Hollerich for this statement, though. Headline, Cardinal Hollerich and the Destabilization of Doctrine. The Luxembourgian Cardinal, who is the Relator General of the upcoming Synod on Synodality, has called into question not only foundational church teaching on sexuality, but the integrity of doctrine itself. 
Hardly anyone is asking why Francis would put someone like this in charge of the Synod, but the reason is obvious. Francis is absolutely aware of what Cardinal Hollerick said, and his promotion to that position in the church is his endorsement of it. From the article, quote, Last month, Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerick of Luxembourg, the re Relator General of the Unfolding Synod on Synodality, stated that proposed reforms in the life of the church need a stable foundation. But just one week later, the prelate made it clear that Catholics should steer clear of him when seeking any kind of firm doctrinal footing. During an interview with the German Catholic news agency, KNA, Cardinal Hollerick stated that the church teaching related to the James Martin topic is false because a sociological scientific foundation of this teaching is no longer correct. But perhaps even more troubling than the specific content of Cardinal Hollerick's view is the underlying logic related to church doctrine and development that prompted it, a concern amplified by the significant role the prelate is set to play in the synod. On this analysis, Cardinal Hollerick wasn't just attacking a discrete set of moral and anthropological doctrines. Instead, he was undermining the notion of doctrinal integrity itself, destabilizing the entirety of the church's body of teachings and calling into question the church's capacity to teach anything with authority, to communicate anything about divine revelation with accuracy, end quote. And that's kind of the point, isn't it? The modernists do not want doctrinal clarity, especially when the modernists in Rome are trying to get the church to formally accept and even endorse their own personal disordered ways of living. That's what they want. They want nothing else but to make the church indistinguishable from the world. It's an essential step to the creation of their universal church of man, which places man as the center of the human experience and center of worship. Divine laws have no place in a church of that making, and certainly have no place in a church that is focused on the material needs of man exclusively. And this is why they attack Benedict. His personal linkages to the French Revolution in the church, that was Vatican II aside, Benedict has become a sort of symbol of Catholic resistance to modernism in the church, and the modernists just can't have that. Which brings me back to Benedict XVI. His letter published late last week is a bit too much for our hosts to have it in its entirety, but I have an excerpt here that should give us all something to think about. Penance and sorrow for his sins committed by men in the church. The words from Benedict's letter are remarkable. It's a good way to close this out. I've had to clean the language up that he uses a bit because of the stupid sensibilities of our host, but his meaning is clear. Benedict was clearly in deep retrospection when he said the following, quote, In all my meetings, especially during my many apostolic journeys with those wounded by Ted McCarrick types of priests, I have seen at first hand the effects of a most grievous fault, and I have come to understand that we ourselves are drawn into this grievous fault whenever we neglect it or fail to confront it with the necessary decisiveness and responsibility, as too often happened and continues to happen. In those meetings, once again, I can only express to all those wounded by ten McCarrick-type priests my profound shame, my deep sorrow, and my heartfelt request for forgiveness. I have had great responsibilities in the Catholic Church. All the greater is my pain for the uh, mistakes and errors that have occurred in those different places during the time of my mandate. Each individual case of this kind is appalling and irreparable. The victims have my deepest sympathy, and I feel great sorrow for each individual case. Quite soon I shall find myself before the final judge of my life. Even though, as I look back on my long life, I can have great reason for fear and trembling, I am nonetheless of good cheer. For I trustly firm that the Lord is not only the just judge, but also the friend and brother who himself has already suffered for my shortcomings, and is thus also my advocate, my paraclete. In light of the hour of judgment, the grace of being a Christian becomes all the more clear to me. It grants me knowledge and indeed friendship with the judge of my life, and thus allows me to pass confidently through the dark door of my death. In this regard, I am constantly reminded of what John tells us at the beginning of the Apocalypse. He sees the Son of Man in all his grandeur, and falls at his feet as though dead. Yet he, placing his right hand on him, says to him, 
Do not be afraid. It is I. See Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 to 17. End quote. Benedict knows that his time draws short. He's 95 years old and obviously not in the best condition he's ever been in. I do wonder if he has left some kind of last testament for the world to see upon his passing that will clarify the state of things in the church about Francis and his own abdication, but that remains to be seen. He is clearly focused on his own coming personal judgment, and for that I ask that you pray for him. He needs your prayers, as does any Catholic near the end of their life. What do you think about what the bishops here said about Benedict and about the church? Was Cardinal O'Malley's strange statement surprising? Is there something about them blaming the church, which is the spotless bride of Christ, for the actions of some evil men as an indicator of their own apostasy? Let me know in the comments, please. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.